Section 1 of From the Darkness Cometh the Light, or Struggles for Freedom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. From the Darkness Cometh the Light, or Struggles for Freedom, by Lucy Ann Delaney. Dedication, Preface, and Chapter 1 dedication to those who by their valor have made their name immortal from whom we are daily learning the lessons of patriotism in whom we respect the virtues of charity patience and friendship as displayed towards the colored race and to those whose deeds crowd history's pages and time's great volume make is this little volume reverently dedicated the grand army of the republic preface so many of my friends have urged me to give a short sketch of my varied life that I have consented, and herewith presented for the consideration of my readers. Those who were with me in the days of slavery will appreciate these pages, for though they cannot recur with any happiness to the now shadowy past, or renew the unrenewable, the unaccountable longing for the aged to look backward and review the events of their youth will find an answering chord in this little book those of you who have never suffered as we have perhaps may suppose the case and therefore accept with interest and sympathy the passages of life and character here portrayed and the lessons which should follow from them if there is a want of unity or coherence in this work be charitable and attribute it to lack of knowledge and experience in literary acquirements as this is a world of varied interests and many events although we are each but atoms it must be remembered that we assist in making the grand total of all history and therefore are excusable in making our affairs of importance to ourselves and endeavouring to impress them on others with this reason of my seeking your favour i leave you to the perusal of my little tale l a d chapter one soon is the echo and the shadow o'er soon soon we lie with lid encumbered eyes and the great fabrics that we reared before crumble to make a dust to hide who dies in the year eighteen blank mr and mrs john woods and mr and mrs andrew posey lived as one family in the state of illinois living with mrs posey was a little negro girl named polly crockett who had made it her home there in peace and happiness for five years on a dismal night in the month of september polly with four other colored persons were kidnapped and after being securely bound and gagged were put into a skiff and carried across the mississippi river to the city of st louis shortly after these unfortunate negroes were taken up the missouri river and sold into slavery polly was purchased by a farmer thomas botts with whom she resided for a year when overtaken by business reverses he was obliged to sell all he possessed including his negroes among those present on the day set apart for the sale was major taylor berry a wealthy gentleman who had traveled a long distance for the purpose of purchasing a servant girl for his wife as was the custom all the negroes were brought out and placed in a line so that the buyers could examine their good points at leisure 
Major Berry was immediately attracted by the bright and alert appearance of Polly, and at once negotiated with the traitor, paid the price agreed upon, and started for home to present his wife with this flesh-and-blood commodity, which money could so easily procure in our vaunted land of freedom. Mrs. Fanny Berry was highly pleased with Polly's manner and appearance, and concluded to make a seamstress of her. Major Berry had a mulatto servant, who was as handsome as an Apollo, and when he and Polly met each other day after day, the natural result followed, and in a short time, with the full consent of Major Berry and his wife, were married. Two children were the fruit of this marriage, my sister Nancy and myself, Lucy A. Delaney. While living in Franklin County, Major Berry became involved in a quarrel with some gentlemen, and a duel was resorted to, to settle the difficulty and avenge some fancied insult. The Major arranged his affairs and made his will, leaving his negroes to his wife during her lifetime, and at her death they were to be free. This was his expressed wish. My father accompanied Major Berry to New Madrid, where the fatal duel was fought, and stayed by him until the end came, received his last sigh, his last words, and closed his dying eyes, and afterwards conveyed the remains of his best friend to the bereaved family with a sad heart. Though sympathizing deeply with them in their affliction, my father was much disturbed as to what disposition would be made of him, and after Major Berry was consigned with loving hands to his last resting place, these haunting thoughts obtruded even in his sleeping hours. A few years after, Major Berry's widow married Robert Wash, an eminent lawyer who afterwards became judge of the Supreme Court. One child was born to them, who, when she grew to womanhood, became Mrs. Frances W. Good, whom I shall always hold in grateful remembrance as long as life lasts. And God bless her in her old age is my fervent prayer for her kindness to me, a poor little slave-girl. We lived in the old Wash mansion some time after the marriage of the judge, until their daughter Frances was born. How well I remember those happy days. Slavery had no horror then for me, as I played about the place with the same joyful freedom as the little white children. With mother, father, and sister, a pleasant home and surroundings, what happier child than I? As I carelessly played away the hours, mother's smiles would fade away and her brow contract into a heavy frown. I wondered much thereat, but the time came, ah, only too soon, when I learned the secret of her ever-changing face. End of Section 1 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista